Connor Ben wins a 12 round, or excuse me, 10 round unanimous decision over Sebastian Formella. This was Ben's most complete performance yet as a professional. And the fact that he beat Formella just as comfortably, if not more comfortably, than Sean Porter obviously doesn't necessarily mean he's better than Sean Porter, but what it does mean is he has certainly improved a lot as a fighter. He's matured a lot. And it's not unthinkable now to put him in with the likes of a Josh Kelly, a guy he's been calling for for years. So Ben went in there and I said before the fight, the fact there isn't a crowd might actually help Connor Ben because he's the kind of fighter who might get carried away when the crowd are cheering. And that might lead him to fight a more reckless fight and make more mistakes because the crowd, you know, just G him up to such a level that he can't contain himself anymore. That's the type of character he is. And because he's young, he's not a jaded fighter. Uh, he doesn't really need the crowd to pump him up and, and fill him full of energy. His dad, in the latter stages of his career, he needed fear. He needed the crowd, you know, because he wasn't the young, hungry, full of energy fighter that he was when he was on the rise. When Nigel Ben was fighting in front of much smaller crowds and stuff like that on the way up, didn't really need the crowd as much. He, he, he had the energy in him anyway. But as he got older, he needed the crowd more. He needed the fear factor more, okay? Conor Ben at the moment doesn't really need the fear factor as much, doesn't really need the crowd as much. I think, based upon what I saw against Formella, the fact there was no crowd may well have helped him to maintain more discipline. Now, he still got wild at times. He was trying to take Formella out, but I liked the way Conor Ben was using his jab. He was maintaining good distance. He was the more effective fighter at long range. He was the more athletically gifted fighter. He had the much better punch variety. He was just a better talent all round. Formella, very tough, unbelievably tough and very game. Never stopped trying the whole fight, but very limited. And it was actually a real good showcase for Conor Ben to put into practice all the things he would have been uh, working on all year and for several years as a professional. He was able to put them into practice in this fight, a, a lot of them anyway. And... His uh, trainer, uh, Sims, Tony Sims, has been saying that Conor Ben has so much more in his locker than he's shown so far as a pro. And perhaps this was what he was talking about. And he has boxed in other fights too. You know, he hasn't just been an all-out slugger in every fight before. No, he's boxed. Like in the rematch with Peno, he boxed. But this was a more assured performance. This, uh, And by the way, Paino has been a nuisance for Conor Ben because even the rematch was, was quite tough. But it would be interesting to see him with Paino again. I mean, maybe he shouldn't fight the guy three times. Maybe that's a bit of overkill. But for my own curiosity, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Paino again just to see the level of improvement, you know, that Conor Ben has uh, managed to have. So yeah, I thought it was a real good performance. You can't complain. He wasn't able to get the guy out of there, but neither was Sean Porter. So it is what it is. Onwards and upwards for Conor Ben. I know that he's been called out by some of his domestic rivals. 
Uh, Florian Marku, as somebody's been calling him out. I know Florian Marku is uh, Eastern European, but he's based in the UK. He's been calling out Conor Ben. Conor Ben doesn't seem interested in that fight. He seems interested only in the Josh Kelly fight. He's not looking to fight people who have a lower profile than himself. He's looking to fight people that have a bigger profile. Not, not a smaller, but a bigger profile than himself. So I get it. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him against Marku, to be honest, because that Marku guy is a very fiery character himself. A very controversial character. I wouldn't mind seeing Conor Ben against Marku at all. But I can understand why he's targeting Josh Kelly instead. Josh Kelly, of course, has got to get past Avanesian, and that's no foregone conclusion. So let's see what happens. But so far, so good for Conor Ben. He's maturing nicely. And I said in the pre-fight video that he's definitely got the mentality, the tenacity, and the fighting spirit of his dad but he hasn't necessarily shown the talent or the punching power. His dad was obviously bigger, you know, middleweight, super middleweight. But pound for pound, he hasn't shown that kind of punching power. Uh, but maybe in time, he will show that he is comparable with his dad in terms of talent. He's got a long, long way to go, long way to go, and he's going to fight much tougher opposition than this guy in order to prove it. Uh, but... I mean, I'm a lot more convinced by Conor Ben right now than I was a year or two ago. A lot more convinced. So he's gradually, slowly but surely, starting to uh, tick a few boxes and look more like a serious welterweight. But, you know, one thing I will still say is that Conor Ben is small. I've seen Conor Ben in real life. I've seen Kel Brook in real life. I've seen... Lamont Peterson in real life. I've seen several world-level welterweights in real life. And Conor Ben, from what I can remember anyway, because I didn't see them all at the same time, he was by far the smallest. Very small guy, you know, slender build. Kel uh, Brook, when I saw him in real life, him compared to Conor Ben, in terms of their physical size, it, it's night and day. Like, Kel Brook is like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> compared to Conor Ben, if you see them in real life. Okay, Kel Brook is a much more muscular, big, you know, thick-set guy than Conor Ben. And I think he might be a bit taller than Conor Ben as well. But, but just much, much bigger physical specimen. And I can only imagine the likes of, you know, Keith Thurman, Errol Spence, those guys are, are going to be similar in, in size to Kel Brook. You know, so Conor Ben is still a small welterweight. That doesn't mean he can't achieve at world level we'll have to wait and find out but i have to imagine even against josh kelly he's going to look really small so i don't know let me know what you guys think in the comments below about conor ben his future his performance here against sebastian formella how far you think he can go has he started to tick a few boxes for you the way he has for me let me know in the comments below if you'd like to access all my boxing content advert-free and enjoy the convenience of listening via a podcast app with the option to download in high-quality MP3, then consider joining me on Patreon. In addition to the aforementioned perks, you'll also gain access to exclusive weekly live stream Q&A sessions and hangouts, as well as uncensored, no-holds-barred uploads, which are too blue for YouTube. This includes my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Boxing Extra. There's no contract, there's no commitment, it's only £2.50 a month and you can cancel at any time. 
So come and join our community of hardcore boxing enthusiasts by signing up with me here on Patreon today. All right, let's review last weekend's fights. Starting off with Alan Babich versus Tom Little. Babich won in, I believe it was the third round. I thought it was a very good performance by the Savage. I know it's only against Tom Little. Little is an area-level fighter, but he has been in there with the likes of Philip Hergovich, Daniel Dubois, and several other top up-and-coming heavyweights. And if you compare Babich's performance against Little to their performances against Little, it's right there on par. So you can't do any more than that. Babich is crude. He swings wide shots. He looks like he's a sitting duck for a good counterpuncher. But at the same time, he is clearly carrying some power there, despite the fact that he's a small, very small heavyweight, a cruiserweight, really. He's relentless, and he has an iron will from what we've seen so far. And occasionally you get fighters who defy wisdom and logic in terms of the success they're able to have. Joe Joyce is one of those guys. I'm going to talk about Joe Joyce in a separate video with regards to his upcoming fight against Daniel Dubois this weekend. And I've mentioned in the past that to me, Joyce is an optical illusion because he looks so novicey, not just amateurish, but novicey. It is absolutely incredible that this guy was able to be so, so successful in the amateurs and even in the World Series of Boxing where he beat Philip Hergovich. You just look at Joyce and the way he fights, how slow he is, how open he seems to be. And you think, how, how on earth is he able to do all this? <laughs> uh, Alan Babich could be something similar. I'm not saying he definitely is. I'm saying he could be. Because he did have a decent number of amateur fights. Not many of them, as far as I'm aware, were high-level international fights. I think it was mainly in Croatia, his home country. But nonetheless, he was experienced in the amateurs. He has sparred Filip Hergovic extensively. He keeps calling him out. And so far, so good as a pro in terms of the results. If you look at his record on paper, getting Shondell Winters out of there in two rounds, when he went like five with Joseph Parker, that's a good result. Knocking Tom Little out in three is a good result. So, so far, so good for Alan Babich. And even if he doesn't become a top contender or, dare I say it, a champion at heavyweight or bridge away, you know, one of these weights, even if he doesn't go on to achieve major success, at the end of the day, he's still an entertaining fighter. And that's why he's building up this cult following. You've got Dave Allen retiring. And Dave Allen had this cult following in British boxing. Seems like Babbage could replace him as the cult favorite of British boxing fans. And you can see why. Because as soon as the opening bell sounds, this guy comes tearing out of, you know, the corner like a bow of hell. <laughs> and he's a bull in a china shop. And he will not stop throwing punches until either the opponent folds or maybe Babbage gasses himself. What's not to like about that from an entertainment perspective? He is the perfect Saturday night slugger. For a, a Saturday night fight night on Sky Sports, what more could you ask for, right? For, for a free entertainment, obviously you've got to pay your Sky subscription, but I'm talking about it's not behind a pay-per-view paywall. At least this fight wasn't. He wasn't fighting on the undercard of a pay-per-view show, although he probably will be when he, fight, when he uh, fights on the Dylan White undercard, but still, 
he is the perfect Saturday night slugger, popcorn heavyweight contender who's just going to go out there and give people what they want without any fiddling around or messing about. And it's not just his performances in the ring, of course. It's his performances outside the ring with regards to his interviews. People like the fact that he's playing on this, you know, stereotype of the Eastern European hard man. You know, the whole, the old school Soviet Eastern Bloc uh, <laughs> stone cold mentality, you know? He, he's playing on that to very good effect. Uh, people in the West tend to be drawn to that kind of thing. It, it appeals to them. And it definitely appeals to me. I'm not going to lie to you. Right now, Alan Babich might be my favorite heavyweight. <laughs> I'm not saying he's the best heavyweight at all. But just in terms of my favorite heavyweight to watch because I know he's going to deliver fun, he might be my favorite right now. Yep, Alan Babich, the savage. So long may his success continue. We'll see who they match him up against in his next fight. It's probably going to be on a Dylan White undercard in, when's that, back in the January they're looking at. So give me your suggestions in the comments below, people. Who do you think Babbitt should be fighting next? Who do you think he will fight next? And no disrespect to Dave Allen. Great guy. But based upon Allen's you know, unwillingness to fight anybody decent, over the past, you know, let's say six months, because this was this has now been revealed by Eddie Hearn, and also that sparring footage where he was hurt by Usek, he was out on his feet. He probably made the right decision by retiring and not facing Alan Babich in the ring, because based upon what I'm seeing at the moment, Alan Babich would beat Dave Allen and not just beat him, but beat him up. So you know, it is what it is. I mean, Tom Little. As limited as he is, he does have pretty quick hands. And he did come in light for this fight. I talked about maybe, you know, coming in light could weaken him potentially. Uh, did it weaken him, didn't it? I don't know. But he does have pretty quick hands. He did manage to counter Babich a few times, but to no avail. You're going to have to have some kind of punching power, serious punching power, to keep Alan Babich off. He's not impossible to hit whatsoever. But when you hit him, you got to make sure that you're hurting him or you're buzzing him. If not, then this is the kind of treatment you're going to get. <laughs> the kind of treatment that Tom Little got, where he just got bludgeoned to the canvas. He tried his best. He tried to he tried to move a little bit early on. When that wasn't working, he tried to stand with Babich, and that didn't work either. <laughs> he just could not stand up to the iron will of the savage. So, yeah, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the Alan Babich journey, however far it ends up going. It's an enjoyable journey. So let me know what you guys think in the comments below about Alan Babich's performance against Tom Little on the weekend. Uh, were you impressed? Did you like it? And, you know, as far as can he carry on this type of work rate past three or four rounds, there are some fighters who have abnormally good stamina. And again, don't get upset. Don't get your knickers in a twist when I mention this name. But there was a heavyweight back in the 60s and 70s, very similar dimensions to Babich, who had unbelievable stamina. He could fight 15 rounds, non-stop punching. His name was Smoking Joe Frazier. Now, I am not saying Babich is as good as Smoking Joe Frazier. Again, don't have a hissy fit. Don't get outraged. 
all I'm saying is there are heavyweights who come along that have abnormally good stamina. If Babich isn't anywhere near as good as Joe Frazier technically, is it possible that he has a similar level of stamina where he can just throw and throw and throw and throw for the duration of a fight? I guess we'll find out, but it's not unprecedented for a heavyweight of that kind of size to have that type of work rate for the full duration of a 12-round fight. I mean, Joel Frazier, when he fought Ali in the first fight, non-stop for 15 rounds. Second fight, non-stop for 12 rounds. Third fight, in Manila, very hot. Ali, you know, put a good amount of punishment on him. And obviously, this was after Joel Frazier got destroyed by Foreman. Uh, Frazier wasn't really quite the same in that third fight. I mean, neither of them were, but Frazier was more depleted than Ali. And Ali did manage to stop him. Uh, but that was like, what, after 14 rounds when Frazier got pulled out? So, yeah, unbelievable stamina that, that little man had, Joe Frazier. So, anyway, let me know what you guys think about the savage Alan Babich in his performance against Tom, Tom Little last weekend. If you'd like to access all my boxing content advert-free and enjoy the convenience of listening via a podcast app with the option to download in high-quality MP3, then consider joining me on Patreon. In addition to the aforementioned perks, you'll also gain access to exclusive weekly live stream Q&A sessions and hangouts, as well as uncensored, no-holds-barred uploads, which are too blue for YouTube. This includes my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Boxing Extra. There's no contract, there's no commitment, it's only £2.50 a month, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of hardcore boxing enthusiasts by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. have the Philadelphia product in Danny Swift Garcia, who's got his shirt off and already ready to go. And my goodness, Danny, you're looking in fantastic physical shape. Uh, first of all, happy early Thanksgiving to you and your family. I know you probably won't be able to enjoy it, but tell us about how you're feeling. We are just 12 days away until December 5, as you challenge Errol Spence Jr. on PBC Fox Sports pay-per-view. Oh, man, I feel great. You know, it's been a tremendous camp. It's been a long camp. You know, we put in a lot of hard work. As you can see, my body is looking as like I'm 21 again, like I went through puberty again. So I feel good, you know. Thanksgiving is here. You know, I'm thankful for everything, you know, for this big fight. I'm thankful for my family, for everyone who's going to come to the fight. And uh, my weight is good, so I can eat. I almost... I'm not going to eat too much turkey. It makes me <laughs> tired. But, you know, we'll probably have some, a little bit of chicken for me on the side. Danny, I've seen you in, in various training camps over the past. I mean, I've known you for a long time. But I almost feel like you're re-energized, like you're rejuvenated. There's a hop in your step, like you're excited to come in here and train. I mean, you kind of came in here earlier and you were just like, let's get to training. Uh, do you feel re-energized? Yeah, I feel great. You know, this is definitely a new, another chapter in my career. Um, this is, you know, this is, this is my, my chance to, you know, have a beautiful ending, you know? You know, because this is, this is a big fight. So a storybook ending with this victory and unify the titles again will just put me where I want to be in my career. Is this a legacy fight for you against Errol Spence Jr. on December 5 on pay-per-view? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, there's definitely a legacy fight. I feel like every fight that I fight is a legacy fight. And, um, you know, we put in a lot of hard work and, you know, it's been a lot of emotion, a lot of hard work and dedication, and we're just ready to, ready to go. All right, Danny, we're going to let you work out and get yourself set and ready to go. We are excited to watch you train here on the PBC on Fox YouTube page. Danny, we will talk with you, and we're also going to talk with your father, your illustrious trainer as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Once again, we are here with the two-division world champion, Danny Swift Garcia. Danny, you look in impeccable shape. I mean, can you tell us about the fact that I, seem, I feel like you seem to thrive during these big fights. Sure. Is this something that really gets the juices flowing and the adrenaline pumping for you? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, it's crazy because I've been the underdog my whole career. So when I'm not the underdog, I don't feel right. So I, I, I'm right where I want to be right now. I just, I'm in my comfort zone. Would you say that you fight better as the underdog compared to being the favorite? I want to say that. You know, I say I fight great all the time, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely the energy I like. It's the chip I like to have on my shoulder. It's like I'm proving myself all over again after so many world title fights and big, big events, and I have to prove myself again. That's what keeps me going. You have, you fought more current or former world champions on paper mm -hmm. than that of Errol Spence. Do you feel like your experience is going to play a factor in the fight on December 5? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've been in there with some wizards, you know, like Eric Morales, he was a wizard. You know, he zabbed Judah, even though they were a little in their 30s, uh, late 30s. But their experience was something you could learn off. It's like you, you're going to school that night. So I've definitely been in there with some legends, and I learned a lot from them guys. You know, I learned a lot from everything, and everything I learned in my career was let, lead me to this fight. Now, you were very close to potentially making it to the Olympic team in 2008. Do you feel like you don't get the credit that you deserve for being a very good pure boxer and a technician? Um, no, I feel like, uh, you know, numbers don't lie at the end of the day. This is a numbers game. So when you sell out the Barclays Center, when you have a market, when you get millions of views, the fans, see, the, the fans, you can't, you, can't, you can't force the fans to like you. Like, no matter how much the media pumps you, and the, the media pumps you like a superstar and the fans don't like you, you can't. You can't force the fans to like you. You can't force the fans to buy a ticket. You can't force them to watch you fight. And I proved that no matter what people say about me, I can, they come to watch me. And my fans love me. Well, the city of Philadelphia has certainly opened their arms to you. You are so proud of this rich fighting city. Can you tell us about what being from Philadelphia means to you? And what does it mean to be a Philly fighter? I feel like if I wasn't from Philly, there would be no Danny Garcia, to be honest. This city has made me the champion I am today. You know, going down from the Joe Frazier to the great Bernard Hopkins, you know, all the great fighters from Philadelphia. You know, I just grew up in that old school mindset of boxing where you're real disciplined. You're taught to fight with your hands up since a kid. And uh, I think that served me well, you know, mentally and physically. And the fact that I'm Puerto Rican, I have a whole nother arsenal of Puerto Rican blood and their great heritage. So. I feel like I got the best of both worlds when it comes to boxing. When you look at that, because I know you're proud of your Puerto Rican heritage, you've mentioned the likes of Hector Camacho, but this, does that give you extra fuel to be able to go out there and get that significant victory, that major prize fight win on December 5 against Errol Spence Jr.? Yeah, I mean, this is it. This is it. This is, this is the fight you got to win. This is for your legacy. So, you know, besides everything else, this is a fight that I have to win. And, you know, I've been here every day working hard for one goal, and that's just to win. 
Can you tell us about the relationship, the bond that you share with your father, Angel Garcia? Because I don't think I've ever seen you without your father. And you guys, you guys have the, this father-son dynamic, fighter-trainer dynamic as well. But I feel like you guys are best friends. Yeah, we're definitely best friends. You know, um, we could tell each other anything. Uh, we could do anything together. It's just, it's just fun. You know, it's, it's fun to have someone on your side all the time. You know, someone you could trust. And that's what we have. We have trust and we have a friendship. And I think that's why it serves us so well. You've been fighting before PBC was born back in March of 2015, but you've been such an integral piece to Premier Boxing Champions and the brand. What does it mean to you to be a part of PBC? Oh, uh, man, this is, it's an honor. You know, since 2015, I believe my first fight was on Premier Boxing Champions. So it's, it's, been, a great, it's been a great five years. You know, everything they promised me, they, they've done, you know. And, it, you know, and now we're here, a big pay-per-view event. Um, five years later from when they launched, Garcia versus Spence, and it's going to be, it's great. I, I'm just excited to be a part of it. You know, it's a blessing. I asked your father this, but I'd like for you to expand on this as well. In your mind, are you the hardest hitter that Errol Spence has ever gone up against? No doubt about it. You know, he's been in there. I, I don't think he's never been in there with a fighter who could punch like me. A abs yeah, actually, no, he's never been in I know for sure. He's, I'm one of the hardest hitters in boxing, period. So, I mean, anybody who steps in the ring with me, I'm going to be the hardest hitter they face. Do you think the layoff is going to affect him at all? Because it's going to be 14 months since he stepped inside the ring against Sean Porter back at the end of September of 2019. I don't know. Everyone's different. You know, I can't, I can't really speak for him because I don't know. Um, that's, that's something he has to figure out, and we'll have to see December 5th. I know I'm ready, and I'm ready to go. And I can't really worry about what he's bringing to the table. I have to worry about Danny Garcia. Has training been any different for you because we are living in this new world of COVID-19? Yeah, definitely. Training has been way different. I, I ain't going to lie. It's, 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 um, it's, boxing's a lonely sport, but during the COVID times, it's more lonely. <laughs> yeah. So even, like, going home, you know, it's like you can't have nobody over your house. You can't go visit people. You can't, you can't do nothing, so... Basically, I'm just, there's nothing else to do but fight, to be honest. <laughs> so is it, would you say that for you mentally, it's better for you to put you more in that fighter's mindset? I, I would say, like, yeah. I, I would say if, if there's a time, any time to fight, a big fight is now. There's no distractions. The only thing you have to worry about is not getting COVID. And if you're doing the right thing, you're not going to get it. How much does your family motivate you? I saw your daughter around here. You know, she was watching you train, and she's so proud of you. Uh, how much does your family motivate you on a daily basis? Uh, my family motivates me a lot. You know, it's been a long camp, and uh, this is probably, like, the first or second time she's come, she come to the gym all camp. So it's definitely motivation to see her, and it gives me, like, a, you know, happiness. And I'm able to hit the bag hard and hit the pads hard and see her in between the rounds, so it keeps me going. The Philadelphia-Dallas rivalry is obviously apparent in football in the NFC East. Do you take any of that pride going into your fight on December 5, or is that just for football? No, I take the pride of Philadelphia every time I step in the ring. Every time I step in the ring, the pride of Philadelphia is in me. So this is definitely a rivalry. If Errol Spence is watching this right now, what do you want to tell him as we are 12 days away until your pay-per-view showdown? I'm going to say December 5th, the Danny Garcia show is coming to Texas, baby. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. 
And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. This is Andy Purrawal for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. And I'm delighted to be joined by the miracle man, Danny Jacobs, over Zoom. Danny, first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you giving up some time today. Um, you're getting back into a ring for what must feel like an eternity on Friday night, Danny. Just talk to me first and foremost about these past seven, eight months and how you found trying to deal with it all. Yeah, I mean, it's been... A heck of an experience as the world's been dealing with, you know, the COVID experience, I guess our main priority is just to try to stay safe. So the first part of the COVID experience, I was just mainly indoors, uh, not really training to the best of my ability, just kind of inside my home or, you know, outside of my community as best I can. But now things have kind of slowed down. Uh, I've had a great 11 week camp. Uh, I'm looking forward to this next fight. Obviously, my last fight was last December, so I've been out of the year for, been out of the ring for almost a year. I'm just really, really looking forward to getting back. I'm ready to get over this year, get into the new year, new opportunities, and the super middleweight division making my stamp. So, There's something I was about to ask you about. You, you know, we've touched on it that it's been almost a year since you was last in the ring. Heading into Friday night, do you feel there will be a little bit of ring rush to shake off or do you feel like you won't really feel it? I mean, we won't know until I actually get in there. I don't project me being rusty. Um, I've looked great inside camp these last few weeks of me trimming down my, uh, my sparring. Uh, I've done 12 rounds comfortably and I felt sharp. Um, we would never know until we actually end the fight with 10-ounce uh, gloves and you know, no headgear and, you know, an actual live dog. So I'm looking forward to it. There's been a lot of kind of back and forth between yourself and Gabe in the build-up to this. It's, it's built up quite a nice little rivalry between the pair of you. Going into Friday once again, is it just nice to be able to know that you can, the talking can stop and you can finally just get in there and trade leather and eventually see who comes out on top? 100%. I think as a professional, from my standpoint, um, that's just my job. My job is to go in there and once that bell rings, execute the game plan that we've done in training camp. Um, this guy isn't the best in terms of, you know, pound for pound or most skillful guy in the boxing game. But at the same time, he's a live dog. He comes to fight. You know, he never gives up. And, you know, he has a lot of good fights under his belt, whether or not he won or lost. You have to respect the man who puts it all on the line. So I think that serves as a good fight. And coming out of this COVID experience, I feel like it's the perfect opportunity to fight an opponent such as this. You're a big favourite heading into Friday night, Danny. Um, with that in mind, again, do you feel there is a pressure to make a statement, especially knowing when you've got the Canelo Callum Smith fight in December and Billy Joe Saunders, Martin Murray, two world champions at super middleweight defending their titles? No, I don't, I don't feel any pressure whatsoever. Um, I felt like... Um, as long as I go in there and execute the things that we have executed or wanted the game plan to be to execute inside the fight, come fight night, I feel like I'll be happy with that because, you know, this will be my third fight with my new trainer, Farisa Mod, and it's all about 
the structure, the building, and the process. And this is all a part of the process until we can fully orchestrate, you know, how we want uh, us to be a complete fighter. So, what are you expecting from Gabe come Friday night, then, Danny? How are you expecting in your own mind the fight to play out and Gabe to approach it? Uh, I respect him to approach it with caution and respect. I don't. I don't look at him as a fighter who is going to go out and, you know, just be going out there trying to swing for the fences because, you know, that comes with the price. And I think he's smart enough, even though, you know, he's not the smartest guy. He's smart enough to know how not to uh, go in there because if he goes in there with that mentality, it's going to be over soon. Um, but at the same time, I'm just looking forward to a good competitive fight. So. You've only had one past fight at 168, Danny, since you've properly moved up. With that in mind, do you feel that this past eight or nine months, it has probably worked out slightly better for you, just being able to give you that time to really adjust to the weight, work out how to get down or go get up to it without needing to maybe stress and what have you? I agree. I think it's been perfect. So sometimes when fighters such as myself who have tough fights back to back to back to back to back. It's necessary that you're actually sat down because if it was up to the fighter, a fighter would continuously go and go and go. And sometimes we don't know how important rest is. And so the fact that we were forced into this position, I think it was a good thing. I mean, I would have fought a little bit earlier, you know, maybe, you know, September-ish or, you know, but at the same time, it's nothing that I can do about that. So the rest for me was critical. Uh, and I'm looking forward to see how um, I can implement it inside the actual fight and look fresh and revive at this new weight class. Danny, just a few more quick ones from me. Boxing behind closed doors, it'll be a very strange and different atmosphere to what you've experienced so far in your pro professional career. But have you kind of looked to mimic that in your training? Have you looked to box without any sound, no, no music? Troy to kind of get a feel for what to expect on fight night and how do you feel you will adapt to that? I mean, I feel like I've already adapted to it because when we're in the gym, you know, and we're sparring, it's nothing different from um, this experience now. You know, there's no crowd when you're in the gym. There's no fans. There's no people really screaming other than your trainer. So for me, this is like uh, a real sparring session. <laughs> and so I'm taking it as a serious fight, but at the same time, the atmosphere screams that this is not the traditional boxing setup. And so um, the fact that I'm used to it from just being in the gym or having guys from other places or other states come to, to, to my gym and then it, it, there's an actual you know, competition that goes off that I've been used to. Shout out to Star City Boxing who you know, raised me and gave me my platform uh, to be able to experience those things. But at the same time, I don't feel like it'll be harmful to me if anything it'll be clearer for me to understand my trainer. It'll be clearer for me to understand the objective and to hear it and react quickly. So. And Danny, just whilst I got you, I do want to touch on those two fights I mentioned earlier, which I know you'll be keeping a close eye on. Firstly, the one between Canelo and Callum Smith on December 19th. What are your thoughts on it, Danny? I think it's a brilliant fight. I think it's a great fight. Both guys are in their prime. Um, both guys have set of challenges in the other opponent that they have to get over. Um, but like I said, always, you know, boxing, anything can happen. So um, there's a possibility of an upset and there's a possibility of Canelo being the victory, uh, being the victor. But um, 
I really just, you know, just want to sit back and, you know, as a boxing fan, just look at a great fight. So may the best man win. I remember the final one, Billy Joe Saunders versus Martin Murray. That fight had been agreed a couple of years ago, twice, and was cancelled for different reasons. Going into this one, Billy Joe, a huge favourite, but again, just your thoughts on it, Danny. Well, this is my first time even knowing that they were fighting. I didn't even know. So they fight next week. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, may the best man win on that one, too. Uh, I project... Um, I can't even project because... Martin Murray is always going to be a live dog. Much respect to Martin Murray. He's always a, a, a gent, gentleman. Uh, and, you know, he gives us all, whether or not people think about his skills, I think that, you know, he's a top contender. And um, on a bad night, which we've seen Billy Joe Saunders have several times, you know, he can get upset it. So we'll just have to see how that fight pans out. All right, Danny, I'm going to leave a final word to yourself. For everybody who won't, unfortunately, be able to be there on Friday night, what would you like to say to them who will be tuning in back home? Well, I mean, it's unfortunate everybody is home during this COVID experience that we're going through, but I just advise everyone just to take the proper precautions. Obviously, health is our main priority. And as an athlete, we still want to entertain you guys. So be with you guys, but be home with your family and all the boxing peers, all the boxing public, I love and support, I appreciate all the actual ones who's tuning into this fight because it's going to be a great fight. But at the same time, health is important. Uh, we need to take this COVID very, very seriously. So please follow proper precautions and make sure that you and your family are well. Danny, it's brilliant. Brilliantly put. I'll leave you now to enjoy the rest of your evening. Locks, well, evening over here. Uh, midday over there. Uh, thank you for your time and best of luck on Friday. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. To be number one, you have to beat number two and number three, or whoever is it. You have to beat whoever the fans say is the your and that nemesis. Man's obvious. Let's the man's right. obvious. It's the man's name's Anthony Joshua, Bingo. Olympic champion, WBA, WBO, IBF world champion. champion. He's, 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 been, he's been beat, he has been beat, but he's, he's, he's avenged, he's lost. Ramon, mate, from a little no, oh, it, but just fella. remember, Lennox was a beaten oh, champion by that same thing. Yeah. He lost, That's but he got his avenge. You can't compare Lennox Lewis David with him. No, 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 I'm saying... You can't compare Joshua What I'm saying is, you're saying he's a beaten champion. I'm saying champions get beaten, champions come back. And I'm saying Lennox proved that a champion can be beaten, come back. So far, Andy Joshua's proven everything he's asked to be done. He got beaten by Andy Ruiz, he came back and won it pretty comfortably. Can he beat Tyson Fury? That's the question. I don't believe there's anybody in the world right now that has the physical capabilities right now with the, at the right age, with the right experience, with the right mentality, with the right mindset, with the right belts. I don't believe there's anyone else out there equipped to beat Tyson Fury other than anti Jobber. Whether he can do that is unknown, but I don't believe there's anyone else close enough to him. So why not put them in and find out once and for all. So we can all equivocally agree who number one is, because at the moment, we there's always going to be, there's gonna be some arguments. Before I come That's to John, before I come to John, I'm going to come to you. Why can't we put them in the ring, David's saying? He's saying it's, it, David's making it sound like it's but, easy. He just made a point. Tyson did come back. He went to Germany and beat the best heavyweight of his generation, beat him, won the world title there. And then his, his, his problems were all well documented from there. Came back. His boxing career was over. Lost, lost 11 stone in weight after two fights against two warm-up fights. Went, went over to California, and got robbed. 
won that fight, got robbed, and no one gave him a chance. No one picked him to win. Second fight, no one picked him to win. I mean, John and I both said he'd stop him. And that the first round of that second fight was the 13th round of the first fight. He'd done a job and done it. Do you think that Anthony Joshua, who fought Ruiz the first time and the second time, has the beat in the Tyson Fury? That is the question. Does he have that beat? Because he's tasted defeat. He's tasted defeat against Ruiz, and, it, and he looked terrible in that fight. He looked terrible. And he was lucky in the second... I mean, he'd done well. He trained and done everything he had to do to win his title back. Absolutely got his tactics spot on. But he was lucky that Ruiz had been training in his larder for the rematch. So this guy comes in heavier, he wins the title. And, you're, and anyone there looking at AJ, who can punch and anything can happen in, in, in heavyweight boxing, we all know that. But can, he out, can AJ outbox Tyson Fury? No. Has he got a better jab than Tyson Fury? I don't think so. Has he got a better boxing brain than Tyson Fury? I don't think so. And the big thing is, can he punch harder than Tyson Fury? And I don't think he can. You're, you're, you're giving I don't, all the I, don't, I, think, I think Tyson beats him in every pump. And I'll tell you where he will beat him. It comes down in the centre of the ring. Guts and heart, he can, go, he can do it all. He is the most complete heavyweight I've seen for a for, for long time, in my time in boxing. A long, long time. And, he's, and each time he does it, coming from not as going in as the favourite, as being the underdog. Underdog in Germany, underdog twice in the States, and he did it. I'm going to come to you, John, don't worry. Joe, Frank's just painted a picture there that Joshua's got no chance. No chance. How, how, see, how see you to fight, Joe Calzaghe? Oh, Joshua. Yeah, Joshua. Um, I think it's going to be tough, you. like... Uh, it's, that's tough, that's tough. Um, you'd have to do something different or improve because as far as I'm concerned, you know, looking at the last few fights, I think Tyson Fury has shown and gone up to another level by showing something, that, like the punching power, the speed, the movement for such a big guy. It's freakish how he can move so quick. And he has aura of, of confidence about him. And, you know, Joshua, you know, he's... He got, you know, he got caught against Ruiz. He got, he got hurt. He got beat. I wasn't too impressed on the rematch. I mean, don't worry, I do him to box. But I just feel, you know, being a bit, being able to adapt in the fight. That's what, that's what matters. You can have Plan A, but if you haven't got Plan B and Plan C, there's a problem. And to be the best, and it just things that Andy Josh has that one plan. And if our plan is gone, whether he's got another plan. You know, it's very important in the fight. When you can box, you can go forward, you can go back, you can hold, and you, you just do the things you have to do in the fight. That I've done it in the past, and if you stuck to one style, then you're in trouble. But I, like you said, two big heavyweights, two great fighters. I think it's a fight everybody needs to see. It's good for boxing, and to have two British heavyweight world champions at the same time, number one and number two, um, is a fight I'd love to see. And, and of course, the debate is who's one and who's two. There's no debate in your corner. I appreciate that, John. Will we see it next year? And, and more than that, John, do we have to see it? It's a fight we have to have, surely. Well, if we don't get it, it'd be a crying shame in the whole of the boxing fraternity, wouldn't it? You know, the only way that fight won't take place, Frank wants it, I want it, my son wants it even more than me, if Joshua don't want it. And I don't think Joshua does want it. Because it obviously... You think he does want it or doesn't want it? No, he doesn't want it. It's going to be purely about a money thing and the people around him will want it more than him. His team will want it, his promotion will want it, but inside here does he want it. When Frank said in the middle of that ring, that's where your balls have to grow, bigger than they've ever been before. 
and uh, we know he's not a Lennox Lewis. We can't compare Anthony Joshua to that great champion, two different men, but Joshua, he's a good heavyweight, he's a worthy champion of this era. He's as good as what's about in this era, but my son's on a different level to any other heavyweight in this day and age, because I'm watching him train every day. Dave, and I'll take all bets, all as bets much as you on. want, or as little as you want. Because <laughs> I know you're an AJ fan, I'm an AJ fan, but I'm watching my lad, six foot eight, 19 stone. Go on, John. Bazookas in either hand. God. Boxing brain like you've never seen oh, before in your you. life. Movement like a welterweight. God. Boxer tricks, he can go that way. He's like a, he's like a hair twisting in the middle oh. of the field. You know what I'm saying? I do. He is the best heavyweight of recent times. So his name's Tyson Fury, he's my oh. son. Well, listen. Let me just get that one in, in case nobody knows. <laughs> in case no one realises. Dave. God bless you all. Does Joshua want it? What's, what's your feeling? Yeah, I, I, believe... I, see, I, I disagree. I think Joshua does want it. Yeah, I, believe, I believe Joshua wants it. I believe he's done everything there is to do. He's won every belt there is to win, and he's only won. He hasn't won yet the WBC title the, and the Ring Magazine belt. The lineal title. Yeah, they're, 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 they're the belts he hasn't won yet, and it's the only, it's the, only it's the final piece of well, the AJ job. puzzle. That, that's it. Everything else is rock solid. Everything's there. He's done everything. He's sold the tickets. He's um, ridiculous amounts of money, the sponsorship, everything, ticking boxes everywhere. Just the final piece is the, uh, the undisputed. That's the only thing he's got to do left. Sounds easy, that final piece of puzzle, but that is the hardest one out of everything he's ever had to do. But if anyone can do it, if anyone on the planet is able to somehow find a way to beat Mr. Invincible, well, I believe. I, I, know I, believe listen, I, I believe. I know you're having a bit no, of a go there. No, no, no. Mr. I, I, he is invincible, David. He is Mr. Okay, okay. If he well, is, okay, okay. Then, how much do you want to put down on it? What you're talking about? The last time Shall I even came close. Shall we one million? No, no. Definitely not going <laughs> we'll one million. We'll start with one million. Definitely not going one million. And I'll give you two to one. I'm, dead, I'm, not, I, I'm not betting against you Mr. ever, invincible. my good man. He is Mr. Invincible. Okay, okay. Because he's proved it. He's never been beaten. He's done it all abroad. He's been everywhere and done it. So how can he not Those be Mr. Invincible? Okay, okay. Okay. okay, can you can you agree? Out of the heavyweights out there, yeah. if there's anyone to come close, you'd have to have the ability, the size, the speed, the athleticism, the youth, the healthy living as AJ has. Yes, I'll give you that. That's Good. what I'm saying. So what more, what more can you ask than the, in your eyes, the number two? coming in to give it everything he's got. I believe there's, no wrong with the, that. there's nothing wrong with that. And I believe, that's why I think we need it, because oh, anyone, need it. anyone other yes. than Anthony Joshua is going to be, we know what the result's going to be. Are. But listen, all I'm saying is, they're warriors, they're titans, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But all I'm saying is, in any sport in the world, whether it's football, rugby, all these top players have been tried and tested against the world's best. He's failed. So how can he, how can he reign supreme? and prosper over a tried and tested man like Tyson. It's a debate and but I'm it's, loving it's not, it. Steve, it's not a debate, it's a one-horse race, mate. Well, we're having a heavyweight I'll debate you, here. Because it yeah, says if there. you fancy Joshua, I'll, oh. you, I'll bet you 200 quid. John, no, 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 I'll, I'll give you two to I, I remember the last time, I've seen some footage, I've got a point, uh, me, me and you, have got, I've got a bone to pick I'll with tell you, John. you now. And, I, and I love you, I'm your mate. Well, but pick I tell the bone and pick it now. I'll tell you what it is. Pick it now. After the uh, Wilder and uh, after the Wilder and Fury fight, you yeah, know what I'm yeah. going to say. I saw some footage of you, and you you accused me of picking Wilder. You did pick him. I yeah, did. Steve, have... he was laughing at me. He was laughing. <laughs> laughing at you was laughing. The, same. the lot was laughing. Well, I but you got... weren't laughing. Come twelve o'clock, was you? That John, night. I haven't. No, I was cheering. We know. Listen, 
we I all get cheering. behind our British man. But let's be honest with you, you didn't think he could do it. You didn't think he could do it. There's only one man knew it was me because you got away. Oh, and you, Frank. I, I picked him fair to, credit. John, I picked him to win on points. I did, honest. I picked him to win on points. You were sitting on the fence. I'll tell you what, I'll have a million pound bet with you that I picked him to win on points. John, we'll come back to you in a second now that I'm your friend again. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Last time I spoke to the miracle man, Daniel Jacobs, you told me across Zoom around summertime uh, that you wanted Gabe Rosado. That fight happened this Friday night. Yeah. Is that because he has managed to get under your skin a little, Danny? A little bit, of, well, mostly that, but also I feel like this whole COVID experience has, you know, forced us to not have the best training that we have, would have liked. And so, for me, coming out of this situation, almost being outside the ring for a year, I feel like he's a perfect opponent that I can still get in there with, get acclimated. And uh, I don't project I'll have rust, but at the same time, I do want to be able to go in there and fight a guy like this and go on my immediate fight after and fight the top dogs of the middle and super middleweight division. So you believe because you haven't been in a situation where you can best prepare and he's half talked himself into the fight that he's the perfect opponent? 100%, 100%. I mean, I live in Atlanta, so Atlanta was spiking high in cases and it was even hard to travel and, you know, get my training out in places because of just the whole world state, you know, it was a very dangerous situation. So I try my best to give as much as I can, uh, but at the same time, if you don't have your team, your training uh, that you normally used to, you know, how are you going to make progression? And so I just felt like the last 11 months, I was able to have my team come out and get the best training. But at the same time, you know, being outside of the ring for a year, I just felt like this was the perfect opponent. When you did that Zoom call with uh, Gabe and Eddie Earn, what did you make of his comments where he was suggesting he's got this fight because he's a big draw and that you haven't just chosen? It's, laugh it's laughable every time because... It's not to take anything away from what he offers or, or his past fights or his heart and his grit because he has that. But at the same time, there's also levels. And, you know, I've been criticized a lot for even taking this fight. But at the same time, I know that it's still going to make for a great show. But it is not because of who he is or it is not because of, you know, what he does and his star power or me having him on my resume because I could have fought easily the division. And so me choosing him, I thought that it was weird that he would say something like to the effect of, you know, I'm choosing him because of me wanting Gabe Rosado on my resume. I mean, yeah, I want to hurt this man. Uh, yeah, I want him eat his words for all the disrespectful things that he said to me as a man. And I have that opportunity because as fighters, that's where we settle our differences in the ring. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't feel like a win over him would really catapult me in any way. 
I mean, I'm in a position right now, even if I didn't take him as an opponent, I'm still in a position to get a world championship opportunity. What about if you stopped him, though? As you mentioned, Gabriel Sardo, very tough man, very durable. And if you want to get yourself back in them, Canelo, Golovkin fights, etc., if you went out and put on a punch-perfect display, even stop Gabe Rosado, that would make a statement, though, wouldn't it, Danny? I mean, that's up to the boxing public, the boxing critics. Uh, me, personally, would it make a statement for me? I don't really feel so because I feel like he's been stopped before. I feel like uh, maybe not knocked out cold. I mean, maybe that'll give me bragging rights, but I don't think it'll, you know, catapult me in any type of way because it's projected from... Uh, appears that this is what what is the odds 30 to 1 or something like that I don't know and it's not to brag but it's just it kind of is what it is but at the same time you know I'm just looking to go out there and give a great show with a guy who I know is very durable who's going to put on a valiant effort and you know he's vowing that his new training team Freddie Roach is showing them certain things that he's never seen before so this is my second time going against Freddie Roach you know we'll see what happens I feel like Gabe's made out that you're an average fighter. He says you don't have blistering speed. Uh, your punch power is okay. He's referred to you being as boring as well. Right. I mean, I'm sure you want to shut him up because of what he said to you about personal things and the bragging right. right. But also right. because he's trying to picture you as, a, as an average fighter. Yes, he is. And I think that's... See, here's the thing. You can say things as far as, like, how you feel about me as a fighter when you make up things and fabricate like I'm not an entertaining fighter and you know I think his whole claim to fame was I don't put asses in the seats you know excuse my French but you know that's to no fault of my own I'm a fighter a fighter job is to train hard go out and give the best performance that he could and so he's saying that he I mean, we want to talk about all that he said. You guys know what he was saying. At the end of the day, my job is to go out there and do my best. And um, there's a skill set difference between us both. You know, Gabe Rosado is, in my opinion, a gatekeeper. He's a good gatekeeper, and he, he's a durable one, and he puts in value and effort, ones that most boxing fans appreciate. Like, he has a good story. You know, he doesn't come from a, a extensive amateur background, and you know, he's able to be in these top fights and give some of these top challenge, uh, challengers and champions um, a good show. For me, it's like you, you can still have that, but just don't discredit what I've done because what I've done is on a whole nother level than what you ever obtain. Danny, of course, your focus is this Friday night and beating Gabe Rosado, but us fans will, will want to see and imagine what you do next. So, of course, it's a huge fight to end the year with your former opponent, Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith. Two questions here. How do you think that fight goes? And secondly, do you want the winner of that fight, Daniel? I would love the winner of that fight, but I feel like the winner would be the best man. And this is boxing. No one ever knows in, in a situation where you have both guys in their prime. It's kind of hard to tell. You know, uh, I'm going to be watching obviously with an invested eye, um, but also have a mark to make from Friday night and after this. So if I can put myself in a position to either fight the winner of that or put myself in a position to fight for a world championship in general, that's what I'm going after. And let's say that fight doesn't come up for you next, the winner of Canelo and Callum Smith. 
course, in the UK, we have an, another 68 champion in Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe, yeah. Goes up uh, against Martin Murray next Friday night. Is that a fight that, again, obviously it's a world title on the line, but Billy Joe Saunders are a quality operator as well. Is that a fight that gets your juices going as well, Danny? Oh, 100%. I mean, for years I've been calling out Billy Joe. And I guess I've been quiet because the last year or two because, you know, he has never said anything back, you know, that to no avail. You know, we've been very adamant about fighting Billy Joe, even when we was at middleweight division. And so I felt like he avoided me for a long time. I just got kind of tired of calling him out. But, you know, as a champion, I feel like, you know, there's only going to be so many ways that you can avoid a fighter, especially if I'm putting myself in position and we have the same management, the same promotion, excuse me, just the same promotion. I feel like it's, you know, it's only right. And, you know, if I have that opportunity, I'll go for it as well. Okay, so you feel like he's avoiding you? Oh, 100%. Would you have a message for Billy Joe Saunders then, if that's the case? No message. I mean, no message. I'd say best of luck to him next week. Um, best of luck to Martin Murray. Uh, may the best man win. Um, but my focus is really on um, Gabe Rosado next week, or at the end of this week. And what's after that, for me, it's just really, you know, what my promotion has for me. But I have guys on my mind that I would love to fight, for sure. But the main thing is this fight has got your juices going, perhaps for different reasons. If it were a Golovkin or a Canelo or a Billy Joe, it's still got your juices going. And hopefully 100%. we see a, a good Danny Jacobs on Friday night. 100%. Yeah, no, it does. And uh, I'm really looking forward to giving the fans a great show because he's that good Rocky feel that just keeps coming after he gets battered. And, you know, it makes for a good fight. And, you know, with his last fight with Seleski, you know, he, people counted him out. And uh, he went down a few times and he almost stopped. So that's coming back. So, you know, it's, it serves as a great fight. And I'm just happy to be blessed to have these opportunities to still give the fans entertaining fights. Well, Danny, before we go, you might not have a message for Billy Joe Saunders, but do you have a message for Gabe Rosado ahead of Friday night? Have you got something to say to him? Uh, my message is going to be inside the ring. I'm done talking. I'm just, I'm not even the guy to go back and forth as much as I have with this fight. This has been a very awkward uh, build up because, yeah, it's personal, but at the same time, it's like, that's not even my forte. That's not my MO. I'm not a guy who likes to talk trash. I respect my opponent because of what all fighters have to go through when they step in the ring. But when you're blatantly disrespected, like the disrespect I've been receiving, I had to stand up for myself as a man. And I think as fighters, we settle our differences inside the ring. And that's what I'm looking forward to doing. Well, it's not long to go until you can send him that message on Friday night, live on Desire. Thank, 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 thank you very much for to IFL TV. Thank you very much. Best of luck on Friday night, champ. All right. Thank you. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. Razabani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global, making his IFL TV debut. My man, Israel Taylor. Israel, 
How are we doing, my man? How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. How's yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I've heard a lot about you. Uh, Spencer Ferron has been knocking on my door saying, you know, this light heavyweight's coming up. Uh, a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Um, let's forget about boxing for a moment. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the world we're living in. Uh, must be frustrating the last six months. I know you've only had that one fight, but COVID-19 has kind of put a, a stop to many things for people in society. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's kind of put the whole world on pause in a way. All the plans and things I had in a pipeline kind of just got shifted about. And the worst thing about it, since there's no uncertainty about what's, oh, sorry, there's no certainty about what's going on, you can't really, you know, forecast or plan, you know, uh, cool, I'm going to start resuming training here or next month or let's try to get this put in place for this date. So right now it is frustrating. It's, it's a good and a bad thing, I believe, because it gives people like myself time to work on my technique, work on things that I probably didn't have time to work on at the time when obviously everything was just so fast paced. So I know it's kind of a, it's a downside that I had one fight then momentum came through and it stopped. But at least I did get that fight in before the lockdown and the situation. Is that also important? Because sometimes you get fighters who, when they get opportunities like this, they kind of relax and just eat and enjoy life. Like, is it important for fighters to, to know that this is part and part of life? You know, you live boxing. Boxing isn't just eight to 12 weeks training camp. You, you have to keep yourself active and in shape throughout your, your career, like Floyd Mayweather says. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Don't get me wrong, there's other people out there who argue that, you know, you need to enjoy yourself and relax and whatnot. But I feel like in my head, my mentality is that you can relax when you're at the top. You're relaxing when you can relax. Right now, you kind of can't, in a sense. Um, and you, you just got to make sure that you're just taking over, make sure that you're ready whenever. Because if you get a phone call saying that, you know, a big opportunity is around the corner, someone's dropped out, they're trying to pull you in, or whatnot, you don't want to turn around and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not on weight or I'm not really that fit at the moment because I've just been chilling because I didn't know what was going on. Like, boxing doesn't really have time for excuses. So, obviously, I'm with my career, it's my life. So, I have to kind of treat it as, it's like a, it's a kind of extreme, but it's life and death situation in a sense in my head. If I don't make it, then what, what else can I do? So, I'm, right now, I'm just, you know, cracking on, cracking on, because I feel like it's an advantage for me as well, because I know a lot of boxers out there, a lot of boxers have had to kind of quit or, you know, put a, a hold on their careers and whatnot, which is unfortunate for them, don't get me wrong, but in my head, I'm thinking if people are going through, you know, this type of um, situation and kind of having disadvantages, this is my time to kind of step up and make sure that I stay on top of my game and make sure when it's time, then I can, you know, perform under the lights. What, what got you into boxing? Not, not many people when they're young think about becoming fighters and getting punched in the face, but what kind of, what was your thoughts? When did you decide boxing is, is what I want to go into? You know, I started kind of late, to be honest. I started when I was about 15, but that was just a little hobby just to get into something. You know, I wanted to get into a sport. I tried football, tried tennis, tried basketball, and I was just, it just wasn't clicking with me. Um, but then when I tried boxing the first time, I trained and I went outside and I started vomiting. And I was thinking, wow, this is this is serious business. And then I just, you know, I just started just going, like I said, every Saturday, just a little keep fit class. And then it started building from then. I moved up into the, um, what you call the elite class, the people who are fighting um, and training for them fights. 
And obviously at the time I didn't have any fights and whatnot. So I'm mixing up with these guys sparring and I can't lie, I didn't really have the, the greatest time in the ring. And I think I think I was like 16 and I stopped. Um, obviously I went to college, did my A-levels, etc. I just wanted to see what I wanted to do. Then I started to hit the gym, hit a little growth spurt. I thought, you know what, let me get back into boxing just to keep fit again. And then, boom, the rest is history. I got my first fight. Um, and yeah, just, it started just, uh, it was like a snowboard effect in a good way. I wasn't going downhill, I was going uphill. Let's talk about the people behind you. You've got some leading experts uh, within sports and, and music industry that are behind the scenes. If you want to kind of let us know who's there supporting you in the background, pushing you, pulling you, uh, and, and pushing, going up, well, those I want you to go all the way. Yeah, I've got a strong team behind me at the moment. Um, just trying to divide my team as a turn professional. Um, I've got um, a label called LCM and No Label. So these guys are on board with myself as well. So shout out to them, shout out to Rob, shout out to Maya As you mentioned, um, Spencer's there as an advisor. He's helping me, you know, make sure I make the right choices at the right times. Because um, as boxers, we're so eager to just get in the ring and just fight anyone, anytime, anywhere in a sense, just to try and get up the ladder. But um, obviously, it's a, it's a business at the end of the day. And on top of that, too, you've got to kind of be careful. It's a no-mercy sport. So, yeah, I've got a good team around me at the moment. I'm still um, training in Nottingham as well. But I'll go to London now and again to do some sparring. I'm sparring with um, many of the greats at the moment. I'm sparring with Bacoli, um, getting him uh, ready for his world title fight. Chris and smith I even... Shared a ring with Brian Jennings the other day before uh, Chisora jumped in the ring with Usyk. So that was a good experience as well. But it's just, you know, just trying out new things, just learning. Everything's just learning at the moment. So, yeah, I've just got to make sure I have the right people around me at the right time. And when my time comes, then we grab it with both hands. Do you see as an advantage people like Mika and uh, the label, the, the music labels behind you as well? The fact that they've kind of had great success in the music industry that they, you know, that they can bring that knowledge and expertise into boxing can only be advantage to you? Um, hopefully, um, hopefully, like I said, it's not really, if you were to ask me this, you know, what I would want to be or what situation I want to be in, you know, three, five, four years ago, five years ago, I wouldn't be able to tell you that, yeah, I would like, you know, uh, people from the music industry to come and, you know, be in my part of my team or whatnot, but, it all kind of clicks together, it all resonates in a way. Um, how people can elevate yourself and it's just down to connections and, you know, just strategizing little things. And obviously since we sat down and we kind of spoke about um, where we want to, where I want to go, my journey, my vision, and um, obviously how, what they could do to implement certain stuff and whatnot and how we can work, it just seems like it makes sense. And right now it's going, it's going very well. It's going very, very well. So, it's a big advantage being around, uh, being able to be around these obviously, in a sense, celebrities, I guess, but also being able to build my profile in the right way too. You said you've been sparring uh, Lawrence Acoli and Chris Billum Smith. Obviously, that I know you're light heavyweight, but between light heavyweight and cruiserweight, there's a lot of domestic names Chris Billum Smith, Acoli, Richard Riakpo, uh, Anthony Yard, Joshua Boatzi. Um, how would you define your style of boxing? Um, um, yeah, it's kind of a hard one. You know, everyone keeps asking me this question. It's kind of hard to kind of generalize myself like that. I would say I'm a more, I'm a boxer at the end of the day. Um, I learned the art 
I try to practice my skill over and over again. Um, I don't. I, I can adapt. So I wouldn't want to say, you know, I do this and I do that because whoever I jump in a ring with, I'm going to adapt to it anyway, regardless. Um, as the rounds go by, obviously sooner, hopefully sooner than later. But I'm a very technical boxer at the end of the day, um, and I've always been told from my coach Ray, skills pay the bills. So I've just tried to, you know, make sure my skills are sharp. Um, my, you know, my timings there, speed and whatnot. And just, yeah, it's a lot about ring IQ um, as I, you know, improve my, improve my experience in this sport. But I feel like that's, that, that's, if I was to try to put myself in a nutshell, I'd just say I'm a very technical boxer who's, who, who thinks a lot. What are kind of the career goals? We see a lot of fighters coming to the game and for them it's just about making the millions as, as quick as possible. Uh, we know people like Floyd Mayweather, Teofimo Lopez recently said after his victory over Lomachenko that a lot of people want to become uh, money Mayweather without going through the pretty boy Floyd stage. Uh, when he was at 130, 135, he fought the best fighters. And, and yeah, the money eventually came. So what's kind of your thoughts and knowledge on that? Is it the same? fight the best and the money will eventually follow? Um, well, I assume so, in a sense. Um, but with me, I've, I never, I'm not doing this for, for money, in a sense. You know, a lot of people probably are, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, criticising if you are doing that. But with me, it's a, it's a deep-rooted passion and I want to be world champ. I believe I will be world champ at one stage in my life. So, with that, obviously, it comes with the accolades and whatnot. But, I feel like if you are doing this for money, solely money, there's so many other things you could do out there, which is less painful and less tiresome on your body and whatnot, um, that you can, you can get money, you know? Um, we're living in the 21st century, so it's not that hard to, you know, accumulate money when, if you really want to. Uh, but with boxing, it's a different type of something. It's hard to describe what it is, but I know what it is to myself, and I know that with that, in my mind, I'm always going to strive for more in this sport. Uh, this sport is my life in a sense. So I, I see other people, you know, they, people come in and they go. Um, a lot of people have good careers as well. Um, and, you know, they may make a bit of money and, you know, want to relax. At the end of the day, you want to go in that ring. You want to do what you want to do, what you can do and do what you train hard to do. Come out healthy and, you know, your opponent as well. And you want to go back to your family at the end of the day. It's a vicious sport, so you wouldn't want to do this just for a bit of money. You would do this if you really believe that you can go all the way and you have the right people around you supporting you for that as well. So it's just, I think it's more of a passion. You kind of need the passion behind it. And it has to be very, very strong for you to do half of the things you have to do in training. Never mind fighting. Fighting is one part, but training is as hard as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a bit of a... It's a sticky question, but for me, I can just answer that. For me, it's just, it's just passion. I want to be number one, so that obviously comes with the rewards, I guess. As a 15-year-old who goes to the gym and leaves off and leaves because he vomited, kind of who who <laughs> are the fighters at that age that you look up to and you thought, that's what I want to be like. Those are my idols. Those are my those are the role models that I want to be like. Well, at the time, I weren't even I wasn't even into boxing as such. Um, obviously, I knew the greats, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, and et cetera, but I wasn't really into it. But then when, obviously, I had that first session, I went home. I just started just researching, you know, just, just having a look at what um, the professional boxers, the high-level champions do 
why they can withstand training for so long without vomiting <laughs> and why I'm sitting here vomiting my guts out. I'm, I'm trying to trying to make sense of it all. And then uh, after a while, obviously, I started going a bit more, started studying the, the game a bit more. And um, Andre Wood was someone, obviously, uh, current day at that time, who, you know, resonated with me. And um, obviously, Roy Jones Jr. as well, with his technical ability. So I feel like I probably got dribs and drabs of them. Um, I, I Everyone I study, regardless, even if it's amateur boxing, you know, little 13-year-old, kids they may be doing something that I'm not doing I just always in my head I'm always learning I'm never too um what's the word too too naive to say that I'm not going to learn off anyone or, or everyone I'm always trying to learn so when I was watching them back in the day I was thinking yeah I'd love to be like them in a sense but I want to have my own style you know I want to be number one one day and I want someone else to turn around and say yeah um how do you box? Or oh, I want to box like Ezra Taylor. Like, you see how he boxes? I want to box like that. I want to I wanna be that category, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, that's how I kind of ended up getting into it in a sense. And, um, yeah, just putting, putting everything into practice, implementing it. And then when you do that, you get some type of self-satisfaction. And I feel like that at the time, when the passion's not that hard or that strong, that's what kind of gets you going and keep going and keep going and keep going. What do you say the best light heavyweight is in the country? The best light heavyweight in the country, boy. <sighs> um, I'll probably say at the moment, number. Well, I would say, see between Sergey Kovalev, obviously, obviously, experience and whatnot, and his resume on top of that too. You got, you got, you can't downplay that. Um, but on the up and coming at the moment, um, Dmitry Birov, because he is. He's obviously, like I said, he's a rising talent at the moment as well. Um, Berta Beev, he's he's a bit of a savage too. But obviously these guys are in their own lane as well. But it's hard to kind of compare them because they've all got um, advantages and disadvantages in a way. So um, in the country, that's that's in the world, sorry. In the country, I'll probably, right now, I'll take my hat off to um, Joshua Bawatsi. In a sense, I feel like he's got he's got a lot of talent. Um, and he works hard as well. I like his boxing style. He's relentless. Um, I've been following him from the GB days as well. So he's just kind of carried that same energy throughout, um, obviously, his professional careers flourishing right now as well. So at one stage, I hope to share the ring with him um, for a title. You mentioned that you sparred with uh, Cody. Obviously, he's got to world title fight on the anti-Joshua and Kubrat Budim undercard on December 12th. You also sparred. Chris Bill Smith, how were those bars? The spars were good. It's good. Uh, they were, they're good learning experiences as well. It's good to kind of um, test yourself, see where you're at, in a sense. And I've sparred a Cody many times now, so I must be doing something right, in a sense. Um, it's, it's a very technical spar with him. He's very awkward. Obviously, you can see how he's in the ring. Uh, sorry, outside the ring uh, perspective, you can see how awkward he is, how tall he is, how you know rangy, and how he uses limbs. And but when you're in the ring, it's a different type of, it's a different type of situation that you're dealing with. But like I said, I adapt anyway, so I just have to adapt to the rounds. And you know, you gotta find an opening. You can't just sit there and just you, you can't sit there and just let them you know have their time with you. You gotta set pace and you know dictate what you wanna do as well. So Chris Bilan Smith as well. He's a good cruiserweight. Yeah, definitely rating top three in the country, no doubt. Um, 
is a strong cruiserweight. It's a good sparring. Obviously, with me, like I said, in a sense, I don't like to really use this word, but I, in a sense, I'm a novice in the professional ranks at the moment. So being able to share the ring with these guys who are essentially at the top of the game or hitting their prime, you know, going for titles and whatnot, where I want to be, it's just nice to be able to share with them. I want to get your thoughts. I know your, your team's kind of music background, but only a couple of hours ago, you saw a clash on, on an aeroplane with Eddie One and, and Ty and Wayne. I'm sure you read about it and saw about and, and obviously familiarise yourself with it. What's your kind of instant reaction to that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, like I said, like I was saying, with the music industry, there's there's the ups and there's downs. Um, obviously, when you start building your team and whatnot, certain people, from what I've what I've experienced and what I've heard, even should I say, is that there's a lot of egos in that industry, and a lot of people wouldn't want good things to happen because of you know maybe the past or whatever may may have you know came to light back then. They don't want anything to do with it now, and obviously. If you've seen the plane, you had many artists on there. You had Morrison, Tion Wayne, um, Heady One, etc. OFB, and they're probably just going about their business, but probably going there for business, you know. And being able to, um, or be having to go on a plane just to get to from A to B, and then having an altercation on there, it's just, it's just crazy. It's kind of unprofessional in a way, but you know, it's just it's a life they live in a sense. They probably without what they've come through in their life, they probably wouldn't be able to get to where they are now. So it's just something that they probably have to deal with. It's, it's hard for me to kind of explain or try to, you know, shed light on it because I'm not in that situation at all. But I, I, all I can say is that this is, hopefully they can come to some type of mutual agreement. That's not just, not just them. That's just everyone in, the, in that type of industry. And even the boxing industry as well. There's a lot of promoters and whatnot who um, don't want to work with each other may have, you know, like red eye for each other and et cetera. There's little things like that is kind of limiting their potential, limiting boxers' potential and et cetera. So I just feel like I'm I'm not someone who don't really hold grudges as well, so I can speak like that. Um, so, yeah, I feel like everyone can just need to, you know, just shake hands and just get along, man. I feel like it's more important, like, these artists that have, you know, they live in a, in a time now where they can kind of self-promote themselves, like, Tupac Shakur, Michael Jackson, these great artists never had social media. These guys have, mm. especially in London, where most of these artists are from, where we've seen over the last two years, knife crime has been at its highest, you know, people killing each other, young 15-year-olds killing 10-year-olds. And it's, these artists need mm. to respond because people look up to them and not just to them, but also the lyrics that they're saying as well. Of course, of course, definitely. And after, I, I, at times, I feel like they don't really understand the platform that they have gotten themselves to. So they are a big role model in certain people's lives. You know, people who don't actually have role models, you know, may not have, you know, the big brothers, you know, the dads or whatnot. Um, they are an aspiring role model. You're, you're in a position where somebody wants to, to be in life. So you kind of got to, in a sense, you have to conduct yourself in a certain way. But also, you kind of need to give back to the community as well what you're talking about in you know in your lyrics and whatnot what people are just gonna eat up and listen to um so i feel like if you're not if you're not really spreading a positive message through that then at least you can be interacting with them to let them know that that was th that was back then this is now is a difference you don't have to live that life because like you were saying people there's kids out there literally kids 14 year olds getting stabbed 
to death and etc you don't want to be seeing that you don't want to be a part of that um you don't want to be seeing that on the news you know what i'm saying so but this is mainly influenced by many artists out there i don't think they understand the magnitude of what they're doing you know they're probably just making music but really and truly it's kind of corrupting the world in a sense but they could use that platform to you know better other people other kids out there you know the community so i feel like again in boxing someone like aj for example he's a he's an iconic boxer you know he's a he's he's done what he needs to do he's had his past but he's changed his life around and now look he's a champion and he's well respected and he that that's someone that people or kids can look up to in a in a positive light you know um he's given back to his community he's still got the same team around him he's still looking after his mum like he, and he makes that be known so little things like that is what can humble other people saying okay cool if i do make it this far i don't need to be like this or i don't need to still carry on with this i can change my life around like how he has you know so again relating back to me i'd, I'd love to be able to do something like that as well even the position i'm at now i'm always trying to give back to my community always trying to be some type of aspiring role model i'm not saying that was the end goal of, you know for me but if I have people looking up to me, then why would you not want to spread positivity for them or, you know, help better their life? It may even better yours as well. No, absolutely. Well said. I totally agree with those remarks. Um, it's just before I end, uh, when are you likely to kind of get a date again when you like to be out again? Anytime again this year or is, are we looking at next year? Well, hopefully looking at December. Um, I've been speaking with my team, um, a manager and so forth. And, looking to see if we can lock down a fight um maybe some somewhere in europe that's all i can kind of disclose at the moment somewhere in europe at the moment um uh, december obviously after all this this lockdown situation maybe even america in early uh, january uh, and I, I hope to attend um a training camp in vegas as well uh, that's probably even before or after if there is a fight scheduled in january so Hopefully December and January, I'm sitting here with my fingers crossed. And just finally, where can, uh, where can we find you on your social media platforms, your, your Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn? No numbers, no phone numbers out here, but you know. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'd say the biggest one for myself is probably Instagram, which is Ezra underscore the Canon underscore Taylor. Um, Twitter, I haven't really got around to, to doing that, really. I'm not really a... I'm not really a talker, I'm a walker, you know. I don't talk the talk, I walk the walk, you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, Instagram is probably the best thing to, you know, just follow my journey on. That's what I update the most in a sense. But yeah, obviously, whoever is watching this, just keep your eye out for me. I'll definitely be somewhere in your eyesight, somewhere down the line. No, absolutely. It's great catching up with my man. And hopefully when we're out of this crazy world and out of this lockdown, uh, we can catch up face to face. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That'll be a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Reza. Israel Taylor, IFL TV, thank you very much. Take care, man. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free, impartial advice on all your debt.